you uh, have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn to John 18. Uh, we are going to go to the gospel, what we just heard. So uh, put your thumb there. We'll enter it in just a minute. Um, good to see all of you this morning. How are we doing? When I ask you a question as we uh, head into the Advent season, we're not quite there yet, so I don't want you to think that we're in the Advent season, but I want you to begin to start thinking in that direction. Advent, Christmas. Every year, this season, um, in my mind, poses a question. And so here's the question to the world and to us. Namely, why was Jesus born? Why was Jesus born? I'll give you a few seconds to just ponder that. There are right answers and there are wrong answers. There may be many among us this morning, but I want you just to think about that for just a few seconds. Why was Jesus born? I think we would all agree this morning that this question that we're pondering is probably one of the most astounding events in all of history. In fact, Paul in 1 Timothy 3, he puts it this way. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in flesh. He is justified in the spirit, seen by angels. He preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. John, the writer of the gospel that we're in, put it this way, uh, right in the gospel that we're in this morning. The word became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and, can you finish it? Truth. Truth. So why was Jesus born? I think if we could just poll all of us this morning, the answers will vary for good reason. You guys are all very biblical-centered, right? You know your Bibles well, and so you're going to have some fabulous answers. It may be to save us from our sins. Perhaps it would be to redeem us and to set the captives free. Perhaps it's to fulfill all prophecies. Well, I'm not a, a betting man. I don't want you to think that I buy Powerball tickets um, religiously, or I'm not a betting man. But if I were to bet this morning, I would almost with certainty believe that not perhaps any of us would go to John 18, and namely verse 37. So look at it with me. John 18, verse 37, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered. I think the best translation here is, You say rightly that I'm a king. The ESV says, You say that I am a king. I think it's better translated, You say rightly. So Jesus is saying, you hit it nail on the head. I'm a king. And notice the next line. For this 
purpose I was what? Born. And for this purpose I have come into your world. What's it say? To bear witness to the what? Truth. Surprise? Here's one of the clearest, most objective statements that Jesus made about his reason for coming into the world. Now, I want to make it crystal clear this morning that I'm not, um, I'm not rebuking you if one of your answers was that Jesus gave his life as a ransom, appearing to take away the, the sins of the world, becoming a atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, so if your children answer that for this Advent season, or a brother, please don't rebuke them and take them to John 18. Uh, what I'm wanting to do is to, to enter you into this text and for you to see a very clear, objective statement for why Jesus said I came into the world. And what I want to show you this morning is just the implications that come out of this text. Because I think this text is just one of those passages where we can just like take a deep breath, right? All the world around us, Paris, ISIS, maybe loved ones that are sick. The holidays are upon us. Thanksgiving is next week. Christmas is coming, right? And we're just kind of like getting all giddy and, you know, like we're getting nervous and anxious and fearful about everything that's about to happen, everything that's happening in the world. And then we come to John 18, and it's just like, let's just take a pause and a deep breath. Take courage. This is one of those take courage texts. So I want to show you some implications. I love what Ravi Zacharias says about this text. He says this, quote, the single most important question in any human being that any human being can ask is, what is truth? So when Pilate looked at Jesus and says, what is truth, and walks away, Pilate walked away from the greatest authority on the greatest question and committed the greatest crime. Let me say that again. He walked away from the greatest authority on the greatest question and committed the greatest crime. So implication number one is this. Jot it down if you want or remember it in your mind. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And that matters in our culture today. It matters in our world today. He's on a throne and he's ruling. Jesus Christ is the greatest authority, period. Let that be known this Advent season as we almost there. Implication number two, truth is on trial here. Truth is on trial right here in our text. Don't miss this. Jesus came to testify to the truth. And in a world that is dead set against truth, Jesus, all he does this morning is just elevate it for us. Completely. Totally. So here we go. You ready? Here we go into our text. Maybe just some historical background, just some history of what's happening here. You're probably familiar with the text, but I want us to get into the mind of Pilate just a little bit. Because Pilate's important, right? 
He's, he's very important. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under what? Pontius Pilate, right? We, we say this guy's name every morning. If, maybe if you're over there or sometimes here, sorry. We're Anglicans and we say creeds and he's in a creed. We say it, he's died, right? He was buried. It always amazes me that Pontius Pilate is referred to out of all the historical figures of redemption, Pilate is front and center. And the reason is, is because he plays a vital role in the story of redemption history. He functions in the death of Christ as the public authority who's in the position of judgment. And here he is in our text this morning. This is kind of the last and final stop or trial for Jesus before he is crucified upon a Roman cross. And it's noteworthy to think about Pilate being the governor of Judea historically and not always faring well with his dealings with the Jews. He, he was really bad at what he did. And he is always constantly being pulled between trying to keep Rome happy and trying to keep the Jews just kind of settled, right, from uprisings. And he's cynical, he's fed up with the Jews, he's fed up with all this nonsense, but at the same time he's weak, he's pliable, and he doesn't want anything to get back to Rome about what's happening, and so here's this uprising, and so He's thinking, what do I do? And you see his tone here. You can infer from it from the statements. Pontius Pilate is your atypical postmodern cynic (laughs) to the T, which brings us to the first implication. Are you a king of the Jews? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. So whether it is Racial strife in America, politics, innocent brothers, sisters being slaughtered, gunned down in Charleston, seeing bloodshed by hundreds in Paris a week ago, stabbings in the West Bank. We we read about these things, we see these things happening, they play out for us on a daily basis and we begin to realize Really, how unstable and precarious the world is that we live in, right? Are you with me, tracking, right? I mean, you're just kind of waiting for the sky to fall some days, aren't you? I mean, what is coming to the world? And then we read passages like this, and it's it's a take courage passage. Take courage to believe that Jesus is Lord of all. For real believing leads to real confessing. Our call is to confess the Lord Jesus in a world that hates him, knowing that we too will be hated. This is hard, but we are not to be surprised. Let me say that again. We are not to be surprised. Rather, we are to take heart For Jesus has overcome the world, and in him so shall we. So let us pray for boldness, all in wonder, bowed knees, 
joy-filled hearts are going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of hosts, the only God, true bread from heaven, light of the world, the way, he is the truth, the resurrection, the life, Savior of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords. Let me give you a couple passages just to think about in your mind as we go through these days. The day is coming when every knee will bow, every tongue is going to confess. Mark it down. Today, it's in the Bible. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh to the glory of the Father. And here are the two passages. 1 John 3, 8, the reason... 1 John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of what? The devil. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature. So here we are again. Incarnation. That through death, He might destroy him who has the power of death. That is, the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. When Jesus died on the cross, making atonement for our sins by his blood, Satan was defeated. Christ disarmed the principalities and powers, and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in the cross, the sting of death was removed. The power of sin was broken, the triumph of the church was secured. So here it is, in its march to victory, in its march to victory, the church, us, the gates of hell cannot withstand it. Implication number two. Truth is on trial here. Make no mistake. Truth is still on trial today. So the question that Pilate, we didn't really get there, but I'm taking the liberty to get there this morning. Sorry. What is truth? Truth is seen in our culture as the rotten root of bigotry, intolerance, prejudice. Relativism, on the other hand, relativism, right? Just the definition, what's true for you is not true for me. What's true for me may not be true for you, right? Everything's relative anymore. It's subjective, it's relative. It's like truth is trying, in our culture, is like trying to staple jello on the wall. (laughs) It's just like, who knows it, right? I mean, there's no absolutes. It's just relative. Relativism, on the other hand, is seen as the wholesome mother of cultural respect, tolerance, and peace. Right? You've heard that before, right? Be tolerant of what I believe. In other words, the biblical message of Christmas in America today not only runs into the obstacle that Christ has been taken out of Christmas, but also the deeper problem that truth has been taken out of reality. That's really where we're at. By and large, people don't think about absolute truth anymore. They're not looking for the truth. 
that can give meaning and purpose to all of life and history. Instead, people are trying to experience life to the full and call this experience truth for them, not absolute truth, just truth for them. And the general guideline in this culture is simply keep your monkey off my back. It works for you, fine. It doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't want Jesus. So I, keep him to yourself. Put him in a box. Get rid of him. So we need to be aware how deeply this view of truth is woven into the fabric of American life today. And make no mistake, it infects all of us, including us here this morning at St. Paul's. Because we suppress the truth, we distort truth, we reject truth, and we oftentimes exchange truth for a lie. So just think about the way that we do that, adultery, fornication, right? all of those things. It infects all of us. It infects all people who are born in this world. My children, your children, you see that here in the text. Notice when Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Did you notice that? Everyone who listens to the truth listens to my voice. So what should we infer from that statement? Well, infer this. There are sides. (laughs) There are those for truth, and there are those that, that are not. There are those who listen and can discern truth and those who cannot or will not. You see that? So when Jesus makes this statement, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth, what he is saying is I came here to earth to live and to die and be brought back to life to show that God reigns. God reigns. And you, Pilate, and the priests out there are all accountable on the day of judgment to the King of Heaven. And I am here to make that manifest. My mission is to bear witness to that truth. And you're part of it, Pilate. You're neck deep in it. Pilate, my kingdom is real. Rome has nothing on it. The United States of America has nothing on his kingdom. And Jesus says, I will judge every person and every proposition that this world brings before me. The cynic will have none of it. Pilate leaves. He goes outside and he says, what? Which is amazing. I mean, it's just, this can't get any better. You can't write it any better. Pilate says, I find no guilt in him. You want to know why Pilate said that? Because there was no fault to find in him. In a very indirect way, this sinful cynic this public servant of the earth is proclaiming the sinlessness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
At this point um, in my study this week, I just kind of pushed my chair back away from my desk and immediately um, the song came to my, my mind. And it usually plays out in the Advent season. It's Handel's great musical masterpiece, the Hallelujah Chorus. And um, many have used this piece. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, many have used this piece to do flash mobs. You know what a flash mob is, right? Where all these people kind of show up at a public place and they just start singing this chorus. And if you've seen it, it is an absolute amazing thing. I, I love the song in and of itself anyways, but just for somebody to go to a mall or to a public place and just shout this to the rooftops is so appropriate and so good and glorious. It brings tears to my eyes. And so what I, what I did is I pulled myself back up to my desk. I got on my keyboard and I searched flash mob hallelujah chorus right on Google. I Google, sorry. And to my surprise, um, the, the top of the list on the search was Paris Choral Society singing in a mall in Paris on November 16th, 2013. And it was amazing to watch this after the events of last week. Here's the chorus. For the Lord, God omnipotent reigneth. King of kings and Lord of lords. He shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. 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 My prayer this morning is that Paris, nor us here at St. Paul's, Somerville, America, ever forget that as we enter into this Advent season, that chorus, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let's pray.